0: Being a woman in technology, does that change the game a little bit?
1: I'm a firm believer that as long as you know the rules and how to play the game, gender doesn't matter. The problem is, a lot of people don't take the time to
2: learn the rules of how to play the game. Welcome to the Sales Prescription Podcast with Ron Halbert and Rusty Jensen. You know, there's all kinds of problems that can prevent you from being successful personally and professionally. And we are here to write you some highly effective and broad-spectrum sales prescriptions, and all you have to do is fill them. Well, today we're in the middle of Women's History Month, and to celebrate that, we have literally brought Ron, the greatest woman in history. Agreed, Jill we'll Blanket Chip, Jill. Is the unanimous, unanimous. <laughs> <It's> <honor laughs> <podcast. laughs> Jill, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Thank you
1: so much for having me, you guys. This is very exciting.
2: Absolutely. And I want to do a little introduction for you, Jill, because you are one of my favorite people, not just because you are great in general, but because you've also really pretty dramatically impacted my life and helped me become great from a leadership perspective. Give me lots of mentorship, lots of coaching, and I love it. And Jill, you've been a leader in business for years. You've run your own companies for for 17 years. You, You have over four different companies now. You are one of the, the better business owners and entrepreneurs that I've seen. You have this grit, this mentality of being able to build great things, great companies and develop people. You have a focus on mentorship and you've done some amazing things. And one of the things that that's kind of affected me personally, I just want to kind of say is when I was at Nice and I was kind of building up in my career, I was given a position a little bit too big for, for me at the time. You know, Bill Robinson had promoted me to become director to running an entire division. And when that happened, I was not necessarily fully prepared, but it was a great time for me to learn. Right. I was a little bit over my skis, but it was a great opportunity for growth. And during that time, I actually had opportunity to meet with Jill Blankenship and we were able to build kind of a new program inside of NICE together. And Jill was running a company called Frontline Group. And I was running our, our sales division for SMB. And what we wanted to do was build an implementation practice for NICE to actually deploy and implement a whole bunch of services for the technology. And what I was able to do is actually partner really closely with Jill to help build that. And just so you know, from a success standpoint, we went from 0% external implementations to literally 75% external implementations within about three or four months building this with Jill to give you kind of an idea of her ability to execute. And one of the things that was great, Ron, for me as I was working with Jill was she could see some of the stress and the pressure of everything that we were trying to build. She could see on my face the pressure that was going on, and she could also see some of the, the actions that I was taking and maybe some of the mistakes I was making. And Jill, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember trying to build a uh, practice. We had a couple of meetings and I remember after a meeting, she just stopped and she said, Hey, she kind of figuratively put her arms around me. And she's like, Hey, Rusty, let's talk a little bit. Tell me about how things are going. Let's talk through what's going on in the business. Let's talk through some of the challenges that you're having with your leadership teams. Let's talk about your training programs. And I'm like, yeah, let me tell you about what's going on. So I started sharing things, Jill. I don't know if, I, mean, I, I, I think you remember this. I started sharing things like here's what's happening with my leaders. Here's what's happening with the organization. Here's what's happening with our onboarding programs. And you were so awesome. Just talking me through things, coaching me through things, kind of helping me think through it and also giving me a lot of advice to help improve the way that I led the organization. And I was able to make great strides based on that advice and that guidance. And you've been such a great mentor for me. And I I just really appreciate that, Jill. Thank you. Those are exciting times because
1: it's exciting. One of the most exciting things that I get to do in business is that collaboration is to, to work with other leaders and really share, combine, and to your point, work together to execute, to come to you know what we want to accomplish in the end. So it's a process and a successful one at that.
0: Exactly. Yes. When Jill's involved... It's always successful. So, no, I mean, I've, I've known Jill for a long time as well, and I've seen her not just do that with Rusty. There's a lot of people that I know that look at Jill in that light. So hopefully you're proud of what you've accomplished in business and in life in general. One of the weird oddities we do within, on this podcast is we have this question that we ask everybody, all right? So typically you're here. We're doing this remote. Jill's not actually in the studio with us today, uh, but we would have you choose... From this jar, a M&M or a Skittle. So you have to take a guess what we're going to get out of here. And I'm going to tell you. Okay. You tell me when to guess. All right. Go ahead and guess. We've got it here. I don't know if you can see it. I right. can't. That's the challenge. Really it's pretty small. It's, Even if you could see it, you couldn't tell. They're little candies. Um, I think it's a Skittle. Unfortunately, M&M this time around. Oh, no. M&M. So. <laughs> you yeah, know that means, Jill? <laughs> doesn't really mean
2: anything, but those are good yeah, odds, though. Mean Here, let me guess again. Okay. <laughs> it's a good man. You're correct. 100%. 100%. <laughs> All right. So, so now, Jill, we're just going to start asking you some questions. Okay. okay. And yeah. kind of going through some things because we, we want to hear from you and your wisdom. And so, you've, you've been an entrepreneur for 17 years. And I want to ask you a very big question and a very broad question. So, from your perspective, realistically, What does it take to build a successful company?
1: And that is a broad question. And I think I'm just going to narrow it down to some of the key points that I think are critical when you're starting your own business. I think that to me, it's critical to put together a business plan and the business plan is a working document and it is really gets you thinking about a lot of different things because when you first come up with the concept of a business, it's exciting and you're seeing the big picture and you're seeing the highlights and you're seeing you know, the end result, but you don't always see the little steps that are going to get you there. And so by writing the business plan, that really becomes your playbook. It becomes your working document that you're going to change and adjust along the way. It also allows you to see a couple of very important factors which includes a SWOT analysis. So you want to know who your competitors are and you want to know where the demand is. And with those exercises and practices that you do while creating a business plan gives you that information so you can know. So it also does a cost analysis, which is I think the most critical piece, how much money is it going to take before I break even and start making a profit? And so even though those are projections and, you know, you haven't done it yet, it's still really an important exercise to be able to go through and see how long is it going to take before I'm starting to raise up the ladder in the black and not the
2: red. And what's wild about that is, you know, inside of a company where you're building new ideas, new practices, it's funded by the company yeah, or you have investors, other people that are funding it, you're contributing your money. Right. You know, you're building a business. You're not making money. You're going negative until you can get to a point of getting to a point of being positive. That's right. And I think from a stress standpoint, that adds so much pressure to the work environment when it's your money being spent. Now it causes you to be more efficient, but that that's really hard. And it's hard enough to build a business, but then to have that kind of a pressure.
1: I think that it brings tenacity and drive and. When I started Frontline Call Center back in 2005, I was a single mom with three kids and I didn't have any money. So that was even more critical because I knew that I was going to have to sell my plan at the very least to my parents to try and get them to help fund at least the first stage, which they ended up doing. And I borrowed $40,000 from them that was the riskiest thing ever because now I'm indebted and I've got to succeed and failure isn't an option. And I would like lose sleep and have nightmares of the kids and I waking up in the gutter and like not, not having a place to live because we've lost the house and we've lost all those important, comfortable assets that we raise our children in. But yeah, like a like
2: a roof like and yeah. food. Yeah, like a roof.
1: you know the food. The food's important that and stuff, costs an awful know. lot. But that's the critical piece though, is it does cost money to start a business. And what you do with that money is you have a one chance to get that right. Or you're gonna be chasing more money, more investors, losing more control of your company, because with each investor, with each round you come in you got to give a little away. So I was able to take a loan out and I was able to pay off that loan, which I would also recommend first before bringing in investors. Mm -hmm. You can pay off a loan. It takes a lot more to pay off an investor. So I always recommend instead, you know, sometimes when we get excited about starting a business, Our friends get excited and they want to be involved. And, you know, before you know it, you have an entourage around you of people who just want to be there because they see what you're doing and they want to be part of it. But you can't over hire in the beginning. You can't overspend in the beginning. It's got to be very controlled and it's got to be spent wisely. Smart. And that's what a business plan helps do. And if you can stick to that business plan that's the other key. You've got to stick to it. It's a working document. You add to it, you change it, you update it, you tweak it. There's been a few companies that I've actually shelved because after doing the business plan, it just I knew it wasn't going to work. Even though I spent $15,000 on the due diligence side. And in this case it was I wanted to open a distillery up on Orcas Island. And by the time I went through the logistics of just what it was going to cost to get the materials to the island, and I had hired an architect to kind of plan my building. And so I went pretty far into it before I was like, wow, this just is going to be a money pit. And I don't love it that much. So that business plan is what guides us, I think, to make the right decisions.
0: You know, I love what you say about a business plan. And what I love even more is how you talk about it's something that you can change because I think a lot of people that try to start businesses or even inside of companies, you come up with ideas of a program that you think is going to be very successful. And what you do is you're so married to the plan yeah. that you you don't become nimble enough to make adjustments And that's actually the reason it fails, because you need to have a map of how to get there. But you need to be willing to make tweaks and adjustments along the way as you learn and gather more information about the topography. You may realize, I don't want to go over this mountain to get there. It's better just to go around and I need to make adjustments to my map along the way, which is pretty fantastic.
1: And taking the time to do that is the best time. Because when you're in the middle of something and you have to scramble and make adjustments, that's not the best time to make serious changes. Right. Sometimes you have to, sometimes you're like, ah, you know, something out of your control comes up. Let's just say it's a COVID-19 experience that put us all into a different mindset, business set, life set, all those things need to be shifted Not only professionally, but also personally. And, you know, without options, without kind of thinking it through, we can make a lot of knee-jerk reactions that don't need to happen.
2: Well, and, and without a plan, you can't manage stress. And that's one thing I talk to salespeople and sales leaders about as well. If you don't have a really good plan that's well thought out, that's well informed, That has a lot of people contributing to it, showing you the path to success where they can say this process will lead to success. As long as you have something that's in front of you, you know, will work. That's validated from many sides and you follow it. You can absolutely get through any difficult, stressful situation and you can get to the end comfortably knowing you have a plan. You don't have a plan. You're not going to survive that stress. Yep,
1: I agree with that 100%. And it also gives you reference points to go back. And I remember reading that every night, you know, and again, this is early days when I was like, I was taught early on. And this is from one of the the best lessons I learned from when I was getting an SBA loan. And I and his name was Roland Shaitan, because I didn't go to college. I didn't learn by the books. I kind of learned through I'm super curious and my ears are open. So I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions and and hopefully we can get there. But one of the things that he told me that I'll never forget is that I have to look at my numbers daily and I have to ask myself, am I making money today or if I'm losing money today? It's a daily practice I do. I still do it even after 17 years. And it's something that... I can catch that right away if I'm looking on a daily, weekly basis rather than a monthly or quarterly basis, and I can fix it before, you know, I go down the stepping stones of demise to where I'm like, oh, no, I didn't make money for 25 days in a row and now I'm broke. So you know, that daily practice of looking at where you're at in your goals and your finances, that needs to be done on a daily basis.
0: Yep, definitely. I think that even in large businesses, I think that's probably the case that, you know, that people have to look at. Like you look at even like Elon Musk, there are days when his company doesn't make business, when he purchases some that's right. gigafactory in Texas or whatever, you know, and he's spending, <laughs> spending billions of dollars. He's like, okay, today. I'm not making any money
1: today. Uh, we're taking a break on the making money side, although I might tend to differ. He's making a lot of money.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe he can't outpace at this point, but <laughs> definitely, definitely getting there.
1: Can't get rid of it fast
0: enough. <laughs> yeah. So, so to change kind of pace, I have, a, I have another question for you. And that is as a woman in technology, what kind of challenges have you faced in such a male dominated industry? And how have you risen to such a high level of success? I went into it very humble. I went into it with
1: eyes wide open and I was willing to look to my peers. So I didn't come in like walking down the the road like I knew everything. I came in very humble. I came in feeling so honored to be able to be included in projects like, hey, let's build an ecosystem and see what that looks like that I was just so honored to be part of those projects. I would do a lot of listening until I felt comfortable enough to be able to chime in. And one of my strengths, one of the things I do well is to pick out gaps in processes and also niches in business. So I can see a gap pretty easily, like I can read a spreadsheet and I'm like, oh, this is either misnumbered or this number needs to be changed because you're not gonna get to where you wanna be with this number. So that's just a strength I have. I tend to focus on my strengths and then I bring other people in who have their own strengths so that we make a nice solid circle.
0: Awesome. So what about, do you feel like it's been more difficult for you as a result of your gender though? Um, I think this is a question that a lot of people are curious about is like, Is it more difficult as a woman going into it? Absolutely. Because a lot of what you're describing seems pretty standard. And maybe kind of speak to that a little bit, like help us understand, you know, how that approach just just being a woman in technology. Does that change the game a little bit?
1: It's interesting you should say game because I'm a firm believer that as long as you know the rules and how to play the game, gender doesn't matter. The problem is a lot of people don't take the time to learn the rules of how to play the game. And then there were a lot of times that I was the bottom feeder. I was like, oh, you know, you don't want that. I'll take it. I'll take it and do something with it. And again, some of these decisions were made by men, and I would often be the only woman in meetings. I didn't really look at it like, oh, I'm an outlier or, you know, why aren't there more women here? I gotta tell you, I was just honored to be part of the circle. I was I was just honored to be part of those conversations. So I didn't look at it negatively. I looked at it very honorably, like I'm just lucky to be in this room. And I took from that perspective of just true
0: gratitude. And I would say, like, regardless of gender. That's how you should approach it, right? Totally. With the feeling of gratitude. We, I, we did a training this week with my organization about attitude and how attitude can impact your performance in the workplace. And one of the most impactful things that I've ever been told to do uh, when I was going through some difficult times in my life was to write down 1000 things I'm grateful for. Oh, that's hard. (laughs) And you can't repeat anything. It literally takes hours to come up with it to 1,000, 1,000 things. And you have to write them out one at a time. And when you get to like 890, you start digging pretty deep. Into yeah. into like, things you're grateful for.
1: I'm thankful that I have paper towels in my kitchen. <laughs> exactly.
0: Right. Like you start thinking. about, it, But then what what's interesting is you do get to a point where you're digging deep and you're actually trying to be meaningful as well. And you realize, wow, there's more than a thousand. Like you realize that it is actually infinite. If you had enough time and energy and thought, you could continue to go for a very long period of time. And that feeling of gratitude will bring out this positivity in your life. And, and, and I recommend it to anyone that's going through hard times. But but I love that you say, like, just being grateful to be there. And, and regardless of, you know, gender or whatever else, like that feeling, people see that and they're like, man, I want to help this person because yep. I can tell they're grateful to be here.
1: And they're always going to be people who aren't going to help you because you're a woman. They just blatantly turned the other way or didn't want to get involved. And that's really their point of view. That's their perspective. I never took it personally. It's like, it, it is what it is. Sometimes things just don't fit or it's not the right time for something. So I never took things personally. And it's amazing to me because 2005 was really that cutting edge of when cloud technology started to evolve. And, and again, that gratitude of, oh my gosh, had that not been available, there's no way I could have started my own company. I would have done my business plan and gotten to the, the technology side and went, Meh. <laughs> they only have, offer a premise-based technology and it starts at $250,000, I'm out. So it was such a great time to be able to get involved in an emerging industry that I think really helped a lot. And there's so many more women that I've learned about just being part of like women in technology groups and and going to conferences and reaching out to other women. That's really exciting to me. One of the things that we learned this month, it wasn't even intentional, like 80% of our C-suite are women. We didn't even plan that. Like that wasn't something that we had even like kept track of and said, okay, one more. And we've got 80% or something like that. It was just like, we looked at it the other day and we're like, dang, this is, this is really exciting. And again, it was all based off of talent and, and, and being a great fit. And yeah, we've got a, a gal starting on Monday that I've known and done business with for 18 years. And I'm just honored to have her on the team. You know, but it wouldn't have mattered if it was her or someone with the same experience. It's it's because of that responsibility, the the relationship that you have and the responsibilities that you've seen them conquer. Anyway, I thought that was interesting this
0: month. You just get the best people possible. You do. It just so happens if you're looking for the best people, you're yeah. going to find both genders. Yes. Right. There's, yes. there's great yes. people on both sides. Take so the it's, best
1: person. Yeah. The um, best person.
0: <laughs> so it's possible. It's possible to just take the best person and you're going to yeah. end up with a with a really good diverse team. And and beyond gender as well, I, I was having this conversation. I have like one of the coolest, most diverse teams I've ever seen in my team in Europe. My EMEA team out there and they are fantastic you know from from gender to race to religion like yeah. a completely diverse team yeah. and as a result they're killing it. they're doing a fantastic job and, and I think about it and I think no wonder they're doing a fantastic job. Think about the amount of people that they can connect with in their regions. They can connect with people because they've been raised differently. They have different thought processes. They, you know, they've gone through these different things. And as a result, they can connect with people that went through those similar things where it's harder for me to connect with someone that, you know, believes differently than me, thinks differently than me, was raised differently than me. It makes it more challenging. It's still possible to connect with people, but it makes it a little bit more challenging. But when you end up with a diverse group. You, all of a sudden you can connect with everyone. Yeah. Right. Cause you're representing everyone. Yeah. You know,
2: exactly. you're, you're able to connect and I can tell you just being on the other side of that table, Jill, where in some of those boardrooms talking about some of the strategy, the perspective background, the the diversity of thought that you brought at the table is invaluable. It's amazing. And I, and, and, and it can be intimidating. You know, I remember sitting on, I was in a board meeting with the women in technology group in Utah of course, every one of them is a C-level officer, a lot smarter than me. And I'm the only man at the table. It was intimidating. <laughs> it, it was, it was different. Oh, that's interesting. It, was, it was different. Cause I'm not, so you, you know, so that it was reversed. So you were it was reversed it, and it wasn't, it was a little intimidating and there's such wonderful, smart people. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow, I am a little out of my league in two ways here. Uh, <laughs> but well, that's how I felt. Of course you're, you know, you're smarter than everybody, you know, but I think that's great. and. Joe, maybe we change gears a little bit because we would love to talk to you a little bit about mentorship. And, you know, as I talked earlier, you spent hours and hours coaching and teaching me, but we've seen, and I've seen you mentor so many other people. In fact, something that I found, you know, fascinating is you're a business founder. You've built four companies now. Yeah. And when you build a company And you take that $40,000 and you take all that stress and the worry and the nightmares and everything. I mean, you get so invested in the business you're building. It's, it's an unbelievable attachment It's your baby. Yeah. Yet you've been able to turn around and take that baby mentor people that are like in your C-suite now that are running some of your companies. I've seen you develop and mentor and coach people to a point where you've actually put people over your companies you've developed people and handed them the companies over to them and made them presidents of your companies. Yeah. And that's a hard thing for a lot of people to do. So how do you, how are you able to do that? Like how are you able to kind of make that kind of a, of a decision and what kind of motivated you to do that? Well, there came a day when I realized
1: I couldn't just do it all by myself. Obviously I were I was hiring people and we were growing and, you know, again, I'm really blessed. We grew at at least 400% year after year for the first four years. So it was rapid growth and it was intense wow. growth. And so, no, but I, but, but I realized, and there did come a day when I was like, I've got to delegate. If I don't delegate, I'm going to burn myself out, you know, cause I'm working 20 hours a day and I wasn't balancing my life. I was just all work and, kids you know that was my whole life um which it still is a lot of but i knew that i couldn't expand i couldn't grow i couldn't be that visionary which again is one of my strengths if i'm still doing the day-to-day in the weeds fighting i need to be in a different place to have that view to guide the growth And so I think that was the time that I had to not only delegate, but trust, because you can delegate and you can still worry till you're, (laughs) till you're dreaming nightmares about it. But I really think it's bringing in the right people. And our motto is hire slow, fire fast. You've got to bring in the right people. If they're not a good fit, that's fine. It's understood. Bring in the right person. It's certainly not knowing the information. It's just receiving it differently. So instead of me doing it, so me going through the spreadsheets and figuring out the analytics and and looking at the, the numbers at the end of the day and the week and the month. And, you know, instead of me doing all that work, I hired someone in to do the work and provide me a report. So now that's freed up all my time to be able to do the next level of growth, which is, you know, I need to focus on networking. So I'm going to go and bug the heck out of Ron and Rusty and try and bring in more business. (laughs) Then, Then I know that's my job. That's a job that I can't really delegate out and get the same results. Right. It eventually grew into that and I was able to to finally do that. But there it's prioritizing, picking, choosing, you know, I call it almost like a traffic controller because when you're running your own business, you've got so many, so many planes in the air and you're you're making sure they're not going to crash into each other. And, you know, that's really your goal. So it's, it's almost like this command station. You've got all these moving parts because as you know, one of my companies is, 24 7 365 so there's no days off you know for that yeah. and, and that was what I started with. so it's been nice to be able to bring in leaders, empower the leaders, pay that forward, give them something they love doing, which is you know being a president of of one of the companies that achieves their goals and they're happy now they're proud. I'm proud like it's a win-win-win situation.
2: Yeah, that's great. And I found that delegation it requires two things, which is one is trust. Yes. And the second is competency. And sometimes we kind of want to take shortcuts and we want to just get to a point of just I'm going to start throwing things at people when they're not necessarily ready. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. You know, you bring someone in you appreciate, but you have to develop them and you have to take right. the time to build that over time. And I mean, because I I remember coming to you and saying, how do I scale, right? How do I scale? And we talked about this, Joe. And one of the things was, look, we got good people. You just have to take the time, develop, teach, develop, teach, build systems, make things scalable. And then over time, people start taking ownership when you hand over that ownership piece by piece by piece. And suddenly they become fantastic and they become, and they're operating everything. And then you can focus on the next level. Of of building business,
1: yeah, and I think you brought up a really good point, which isn't you don't just throw it over the fence and hope someone grabs it and runs with it. And that's where that mentoring and that coaching and that empowering really comes into play, because it isn't just a, a one and done. Okay, this is the, you own this now. It is a preparing that person for success. You don't want to set somebody up for failure or frustration or even disappointment. You want to set them up to be the best that they can be. That takes that time in those conversations and asking those questions. I mean, I remember talking with you. A lot of the things I would just do is ask you questions, which would allow you to think about, okay, well, you know, there's two answers. We've got this answer we've got this answer. Let's talk about those. You know, it just opens up and broadens the ability to have a conversation, the ability to have a collaboration with each other. And it's not like when I hand off these positions, it's not that I'm walking away, turning my back and walking away. I'm still involved to the point that I can be called at any time. I'm on meetings a week, you know, again, very high level. This is the information I need to know, but still continuing to work with these people.
0: Love it. To wrap things up, I want to make a comment and something that really impresses me about Jill that I think everyone should take away from this. And that is, you are bigger than the company that you have run or have started because of the influence you can have on people around you. And one thing I love about Jill is she is very successful in business, but she's also an awesome person. She is impactful on many people's lives, not just within her business, but also other businesses. I don't know her in this way, but I'm sure she's also a great mother. She's found a way to be to find a good work-life balance and things like that. I think I'm a better grandmother because I don't right. know. <laughs> <laughs> right? But you. But what I love is that you are not one thing. We as people can accomplish amazing things in business. We can accomplish amazing things in life, and I think. Proof is in Jill Blankenship, just being an awesome person. So we really are super grateful that you joined us today, Jill. We feel grateful. We're the ones that probably feel like you were describing earlier on in your career, blessed to have you on our podcast and and just to have you in our lives in general. So we look forward to the continued friendship and and blessing each other's lives.
1: Yeah, me too. And thank you again. I'm so proud of you guys. And just to see how far you've grown. I mean, it's like you're not boys anymore. You're men.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When you met us, we were for sure boys. That's for sure.
1: (laughs) It's so cool to see how you're doing now. And I mean, look at this, this RX sales prescription. I love this. This is exactly what needed to be out there. You're doing it so well. And, you know, even what you're doing with Conga, the fact they are able to, have a balance between work. And obviously this is something you love as well. And so to be able to succeed on both fronts, you guys are amazing.
2: Awesome. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to write down my list of 1000 grateful things. You're going to make the top 10 Jill. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you. And, and we appreciate everybody listening to the sales prescription and you can find us on LinkedIn and Jill, how do people find you? They can certainly go to
1: frontline.group there's .com. It's just frontline.group. That shares a bit more about a couple of my companies. You can also go to ourdivorce.com, which is my latest company. We can have another call about that one. And then you can also go to turnium.com. Your business partner is Father Milligan, isn't it? Business partner is Father Milligan. Father Milligan.
2: Yes, I love it.
1: Yeah. Right. So yeah, check, check me out. I love LinkedIn. I communicate through LinkedIn quite a bit. But feel free to reach out. Love to
2: talk, have a conversation. Fantastic. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the Sales Prescription Podcast. And we'll continue to listen to these episodes. We'll keep putting content out there for you. we appreciate the audience we've got. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.